We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? And welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Guys, welcome back. Your guys, Cody and Derek here. And we have a very special guest, OG of the podcast, Mr. Julian Rosen, back after a couple of years. It's only been a couple of years, Julian. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, man. How you doing? Uh, doing good. Yeah, it feels like it's been forever because of COVID and because of our quarterback carousel. But um, yeah, I've been doing good, you know, just living in the Midwest. And uh, enjoying the three months out of the year that are nice uh, up here, as you guys know. So, hang it up. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. I mean, we were joking, like, how many quarterbacks have the Colts had since we were last on a podcast? It's been a couple. Probably three, at least. Yeah. Gosh, that's, not, that's not right. That's not right. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, the Colts just finished their 2022 NFL draft. Drafted a lot of positions to potentially help their team, hopefully, in, you know, the, obviously in the near future. But, Maybe some guys immediately right off the bat. And so what we wanted to do, we wanted to look at these 2022 draft picks and kind of give our thoughts on how much impact are some of these rookies going to have? Because some rookies might have a little bit more impact. You know, you may have the Jonathan Taylors, the Michael Pittmans of the world, or you might have the Rocky Sins, the guys that take a little bit more time, if you will, um, immediately to make an impact. Or Grover Stewart, for example, you know, guys like that. Um, so I thought we could kind of talk about some of these picks and just kind of give our overall thoughts. So, we will start, guys, first with the Colts' first pick that they had. 53 overall. They made that trade back with Minnesota Vikings, moving from 42 all the way down to 53, acquired another third-round pick. And with that number 53 pick, they picked Alec Pierce, wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Now, guys, we all know what the Colts have not done in terms of positions this offseason. They have failed to address wide receiver and free agency. They let a guy like Zach Pascoe walk, go to the Eagles, so the Colts, you know, really obviously had it in a position of need with a lot of young guys that they've drafted the last couple of years. But then you you enter Alec Pierce, right? A guy that uh, six foot three, two fifteen, is uh, a little bit raw still. He has some things he has to figure out. But I mean, I think this guy has a chance, guys, to make a big impact early. What are your thoughts? We'll start with Julian on this one. Um, yeah, I mean, Alec Pierce is definitely the first name you would think of um, because this guy's sort of a hybrid receiver in my eyes. He's got some Cooper Cup. He's obviously got some boundary skills. I'm not sure exactly where they're going to use him. Frank Reich has indicated uh, in the press conferences since the draft that they're going to move him around, and I expect him to hold to that in his rookie year. I think he's going to play some flank. I think he's going to play some slot. I think he's going to play on the outside. Um, so Alec Pierce is a guy, and I honestly believe 
Um, in addition to that, I think Curtis Brooks is going to see some serious playing time. Um, he was one of my favorite picks. I know you guys had mentioned um, in some of the other podcasts how much you love the pick, but I honestly think Curtis Brooks is going to see some significant playing time. I think they're going to bring him in on third downs, uh, and I think as the year go years go on, he's going to be a key part of the defensive line rotation. So those are the two guys that sort of stand out to me as far as our draft picks. Yeah. Derek, what are your thoughts on Alec Pierce? Uh, it, it's definitely interesting. I think that it's almost a guarantee that Alec Pierce is going to be the number two guy uh, during this next season. I don't think he's as raw as some people claim him to be. Um, I think he's been better. I just think a lot of times with Cincinnati's offensive scheme, the way they like to run things, they used his athletic ability to get down the field and just burn corners that couldn't keep up with the fact that he ran a 4-4 and had a 41-inch vertical. You know, I mean, there's just not – I mean, you you take your chances most times with almost any corner going against a wide receiver of that size and that ability. So I think that with just a good offseason of, you know, learning from Reggie Wayne – I think it's a sheer lock that he's the number two guy, at least for a while. Um, I see a, I see a season with him getting 600, 700 receiving yards at the minimum for him. I mean, I really do think it's that significant, especially when you look at uh, Matt Ryan now being the quarterback. I think that that's something you can definitely see happening. So Alec Pierce, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be the guy that makes the most impact of all these guys, at least right off the gate. Yeah. I mean, like right now, it's like who's going to really compete with him? Unless, of course, you do bring in a vet wide receiver, which the Colts have been rumored. You know, you think do you bring back a T.Y. Hilton? You go after a guy like Jarvis Landry. I know Julio Jones with the Matt Ryan connection. And there's a couple other names as well. But yeah, I think Alec Pierce has a great opportunity right away to be that number two wide receiver. But guys, one thing that we have to keep in mind is that Chris Ballard has even said this that. It takes a little bit of time for some of these rookies to get acclimated to the NFL level. I mean, with, as it is with any rookie, especially wide receivers, it takes them a little bit of time. I mean, we even saw that with Michael Pittman Jr. his first season. It took him a little bit of time. Obviously, he had that injury, but it took him a little bit of time to kind of get acclimated, and he started really coming on at the end of the year. Um, do you th- potentially foresee something like that with Alec Pierce, where maybe he doesn't have the necessarily fast start out of the gate, but as the season progresses and goes on, he prog- progressively gets a little bit better each week? Yeah, I always see the season as well. It's a little harder now because there's 17 games, but it's always divided into quarters for me. You know, first four games, second, et cetera. Um, I think Pierce is someone in the second quarter of the season uh, who could start taking over and really commanding more of the target share for the Colts offense. So you're looking at like somewhere around weeks four through six. Um, I think that's a realistic outcome, but I agree with Derek. I think six to 700 yards is about what I figured he would get. Um, And I think they're actually going to start designing plays for him specifically which you don't see too many rookies uh, get the opportunity. Obviously, you know, guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, they had that because they're such exceptional talents. But I think throughout the course of the season, we're going to see some screens and some jump balls in the end zone and other plays designed for Pierce to really utilize the skill set because Ballard and Reich have both mentioned just the traits that he has. You know, this is a really traits and Raz score driven draft, and I think they want to utilize that. So I think that it may be a slow start, but I think around – you know, somewhere in the fourth or fifth game of the season is where we could see Pierce start to really come into that second uh, wide receiver role. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, when it comes to all these guys, I mean, that's really what it is, right? Experience for all these young guys is what everybody needs to get better. Um, I think some will take advantage a little bit later than others. Uh, I just think Pierce won't take as long as some of these other ones. But the next guy that we're going to talk about, I think, is going to, by the end of his first season, is really going to start making a lot of big moves for us. Yeah, I mean, I was going to get to him here because you talk about just the the RAS score, right? Like, just the pure size and speed that this team has at wide receiver and running back. I mean, heck, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, both guys that were, you know, super, super fast. Throw those 4-3, guys. And then you throw in a Paris Campbell, you throw in a Michael Pittman, who has some speed to him as well. Um, and on top, add an Alec Pierce as well. I mean, there is so much potential here in this group in terms of that, you know, they have that, I think they have that good combination of size and speed with a lot of these guys. And speaking of size, the Colts got a massive guy at tight end. Um, I mean, talk about a physical freak. I mean, this guy scored a 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. That's unheard of guys. That's yeah. Jelani Woods. I mean, my goodness. I mean, the only, I think knock on this guy is just, he's only played one year at, at Virginia at tight end. What are your thoughts on him? We'll start with Derek on this one, man. Jelani Woods impact right away, especially now, Jack Doyle hanging it up. Uh, Colts have Kylan Grants, and they re-signed Mo Ali Cox. Where do you think Jelani Woods fits in? Um, well, I think, honestly, it'll start a little slow for him to start out the year. I know that he's, you know, the physical freak, and everybody wants to see him play. But like you said, I mean, he doesn't have quite the amount of experience at the position as some of these other guys do. So, you know, on top of having to learn at the next level with that speed, he's also having to learn on the run with the position as well. So it's going to be interesting to say the least. I said at the end of the year, I think he's going to really find his own. I really do believe that. I mean, again, he has the best RAS score of any tight end that's come into the draft since 1987. I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, he's such a phenomenal athlete. It's just hard to find somebody that's 6'7", 255 pounds that can move like that. I mean, he's Mo Ali Cox, but a lot a lot faster. And that's insane to think about. I mean, it, the potential is extremely high for this guy. I really do think that he'll be, he'll be better than what Jack Doyle was for us uh, given a year's time. I mean, he really just needs this first... Uh, rookie year in order to be able to get things going. But other than that, I mean, I, I really, really like what Jelani Woods can bring to this offense. Yeah, Julian, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I've been thinking about this. I agree with everything he said, but I, I honestly think that, like, you saw a lot of struggles with the Colts last year in the red zone, right? Specifically, that was an area where it was like, I don't know if you guys remember the Rams game early on in the season. Mm -hmm. uh, there was the Titans game, the first one, where it's like, we just keep kicking field goals. And I think, even though he hasn't directly addressed it, I think that got to Ballard. I think he wanted to put this team in a position to finish drives, right? Because that's ultimately what separates a lot of wins and losses. We lost a lot of close score games. Now, Wentz had something to do with it. You know, there were penalties. There's obviously a lot of factors. But I think you line up Jelani Woods, Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman with either Granson or Mo Ali Cox. Taylor and Hines out of the backfield with our offensive line, I think we have the potential to be a red zone nightmare with Jelani Woods. I mean, people have been trying to comp this guy to someone. Like, is he like Darren Waller? Is he like, you know, George Kittle? I don't think we've seen a tight end like this. As you mentioned, Cody, the Raz score, the intangibles, the traits. I don't think the NFL really has ever seen um, a tight end like Jelani Woods. So uh, I think in his rookie year, a little slow, but 
He might sneak up and grab a few touchdowns later in the season. I could see him finishing with four or five end zone grabs, maybe 20 to 25 catches, um, and some good blocking too. You know, I mean, that's a key part. Our team is built around Jonathan Taylor. Our team is built around the O-line. So if he can be a great blocker, contribute in the red zone early on, I think sky's the limit for him. Six red zone touchdowns for Jelani Woods last year, led all tight ends in the ACC. So, I mean, he had eight total. So six of those six of those eight were in the red zone. So if that tells you anything right there, I think that's going to be uh, – he's going to be a huge asset to Matt Ryan in this offense for sure. It's wild to me. I, I never thought in my wildest dreams, man, that the Colts would find a tight end bigger than Mo Ali Cox, but they somehow did it. Uh, Chris Ballard at his finest there, finding those traits, man. Uh, but let's continue on. Um, the Colts also addressed a big position of need in left tackle. They selected Bernard Ryman out of Central Michigan, offensive tackle guys that uh, – a lot of people were surprised, including us, that they were he was still there because I think a lot of people had him potentially as a you know fringe late first round, early second round pick, certainly not in the third round. And the Colts were able to get him um, somehow, some way, and potentially solve their left tackle of the future. Uh, obviously, he's a little bit smaller; he's only three or five pounds, but uh, I think if he puts on a little bit more muscle, guys, he has a real chance to compete and win that starting job for Matt Pryor this last this next season. What are your thoughts on him and potentially his impact here in year one? Julian, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, honestly, this has been regarded as one of our best, if not our best value pick. This guy was projected at some points as an early second rounder, as one of the five best tackles off the board in a tier right behind, you know, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, and um, Ikem Iguanamu. I'm so sorry mm-hmm. if I pronounced that wrong. But, uh, I mean, this guy was considered a very strong uh, early second round pick. I thought it was an excellent selection. I was really excited. Um, a lot of Colts fans were really worrying, especially in the thread that you were doing, Derek. We're really freaking out about us trading back. And I <laughs> I just saw that picking up 77. I thought that was huge. An extra third round pick. Um, it seems like the knock on this guy uh, is really a minor thing. It's like his arm size and his arm length. And it doesn't seem like that's a huge concern. Um, the guy's incredibly solid. He's highly rated. Um, and he seems to be super sharp, too. I saw his interview after getting drafted. Um, I'm excited. I think we hopefully have found the left tackle of our future. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ryman's definitely a very interesting one. Like you guys said, he was projected to go early second. I mean, ESPN had him ranked as the fifth best tackle uh, throughout the whole process. And, I mean, to start day two, I mean, he was like one of the top five remaining guys on the board altogether. And for him to fall all the way there, I mean, you know, the Colts said, I mean, there was no way they, there was no way they thought he was going to make it out of the third round, out of the second round at all. Like, and then sure enough, it, it, being able to get him, I mean, they loved it. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the things that he has a problem with, again, he's not been a left tackle all throughout college. So again, a guy that's not used to the position entirely, but again, just like Jelani Woods, uh, you know, he went in did that position and he thrived in the one year that he did it. So it makes you think that he can learn on the fly. If you just, you know, you get his uh, strength up a little bit, get a, add a few more pounds to him. You know, he's already got the athletic nature in him and he's definitely uh, a mauler for sure. So that's, that's fine. Uh, there's some things that they think they can fix. How much of an impact he's going to have right away. I've heard some people say that he'll probably compete for the, for the job, not 100% sure he's actually going to get it right off the bat. My guess is is that Ballard and Reich are going to say, you know, since Pryor's been uh, the guy and, you know, he has that experience, it may take a while for Ryman to actually get into it. 
I don't know. It's hard for me to answer that question just because I'm not 100% sure on whether or not he's actually going to be the starter. If he is the starter, then I definitely think he's going to fit uh, very well. Uh, if he isn't, then obviously he's probably going to have to wait a little while, maybe towards the end of the season if Pryor doesn't uh, end up being as good of a left tackle as what they originally thought. Not 100% sure on it yet, but long-term solution-wise, Ryman, I think, is going to be that left tackle for the Colts for at least the next 8 to 10 years. Okay, guys, I got to get your opinion here. What's the percentage you think that you know, week one, you roll out your, your five starters on your offensive line, Bernard Ryman is your left tackle. What percent chance do you do you give that? Um, I'll go fifty. Honestly, I think it's a, I think it's a coin toss at this point. Okay, I'd Jared? say I'd say it's thirty percent for me right now. Uh, that's kind of low. I kind of wish I didn't see, feel that way, but for me, I just think that it's it's a Ballard and Reich thing to give the guy who's been there uh, uh, the benefit of the doubt. And until he proves he can't do it, then it's then it's time to make a change. I just feel like Matt Pryor is going to have the better chance. It all depends on what Ryman does in training camp and all that stuff. Yeah, and I think the beauty of it, guys, and I'll probably give it a forty percent. I'll go right in the middle there because I do think you know right now Matt Pryor does have the leg up, but if Bernard Ryman comes out and he's absolutely a stud at left tackle, I mean, I mean they also preach competition for a reason, right? If he's clearly better than Matt Pryor. I don't really see a scenario where they don't start him over him. Um, and Matt Pryor has experience everywhere, right? You know, so if Matt Pryor's a really good right guard all of a sudden, and then, oh, oh my goodness, you know, maybe Danny Pinter isn't quite as good or whatever the situation is, you know, like Matt Pryor would have an opportunity, I think, to compete for that spot as well, potentially. Um, but I think the great thing is that with this pick, guys, you don't have to expect him to be a plug and play guy right away. You can have a little bit of patience with Bernard Ryman here. Um, with because you re-signed Matt Pryor, you brought him back, and he has some experience, not much more than Ryman at the pro level at left tackle, but he has some experience, and at the very least, it's going to be a good competition, I think, at left tackle. So I'm excited to see how that plays out for sure. Um, I think Ryman, very similar, gives me the, those Danny Pinter vibes. Obviously, different frame and stuff, but that athletic ability, you know, being a former tight end and stuff like that, uh, you'll love to see that. Um, obviously, playing beside Quentin Nelson is going to help him as well. Um, but I think he's just got to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. He's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. So he can just build his frame up a little bit. I think he has a great chance you know, to be that long-term solution at left tackle. But as far as this year, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It really depends if he wins that job or not. If not, he's going to – or if he does, he's going to have a major impact on this team for better or for worse this season. So, all right, let's move on, guys, and continue here looking at the picks. The Colts also had another pick in the third round. They traded up and drafted Maryland safety Nick Cross. This was the big shocker for everybody because we all thought the Colts were done on day two, and then they surprised everybody. They trade away a future third, and they go up and they get a guy like Nick Cross, who they absolutely love. They love everything that he brings. And the safety room was already pretty loaded you know, at, at the time. You know, They had their two starters, presumably, for this year, in Julian Blackman and Kari Willis. They also signed Rodney McLeod. They signed a couple other safeties, and then they also draft another guy, so now they have four guys that you feel like pretty excited about moving into this season. But in terms of impact, because this room is so loaded, the question remains, how much of an impact is Nick Cross going to have immediately? Uh, what is your thought, Derek, on Nick Cross and his potential impact from day one? 
Uh, well, I mean, you, I think you and I have been talking about it a little bit, Cody. And over the last like week, I have been falling in love with this pick more and more by the second. I mean, what Nick Cross might be able to do at some point. I, I've heard some people say that, you know, this could be the next Bob Sanders for us, just a more, uh, a more athletic and taller version of him. I won't go as far as to say he plays like the assassin, but he does hit people quite like Bob Sanders used to. And he plays fast. That's exactly what his style is. Do I see him as an immediate impact right off the bat? Again, it's going to come down to training camp. I really think he's going to get lost in the fact that the Colts have three guys ahead of him that have that NFL experience. And I think that's what's going to slow down his playing percentage at the moment. But I think as the season goes on, be prepared to see a lot more of Nick Cross at the end of the year with fresh legs because he's not going to have quite as many snaps as the rest of these guys. He'll come in. He's going to, again, Bradley has a defensive scheme where you play a lot of three safety looks. Nick Cross is going to get a chance to be playing in the middle of the field that way and be that spy and make those big plays. I love Nick Cross. I love the the person. I love the player. I love this pick. And I really think at the end of the season, you're going to get a lot more production out of him than day one. That's not going to be an immediate impact from him, I don't think. But in all honesty, if he does get some of the same kind of play time that Julian Blackman did when he was a rookie, I would not be I would not be shocked if Nick Cross has a similar season to what Julian uh, Blackman had his rookie year. And I'm, I I know that may be a hot take, but I'm, I'm liking what Nick Cross can do. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Julian? Yeah. Um, this guy, I was super uh, high on him coming into the draft. Cause I started learning about the players and the guys, the Colts might pick. And that's how I found Jelani Woods and, uh, and also watched some of Nick Cross's highlights. Cause he was mocked to us by a couple websites. I think the athletic and NFL network um, had that, you know, going on. And so I watched some of his highlights Guys all over the field. I mean, the guy's just a nose for the ball. He knows where he needs to be, and he's just an instinctual athlete. He's an absolute freak. He's quick. He he strikes uh, people really sort of like, I think, at, at the perfect moment and the perfect technique. And I just thought he was a lot of fun to watch and fun to watch the highlights and the interviews, like Derek mentioned. Also, really seems like a really great guy, a leader, a really cool person. Um, and I think we have essentially um, made it clear that Kari Willis's down year uh, was evident and was real. I think uh, Nick Cross may very well, you know, if he shows some steps and development, uh, may very well be the safety of the future next to Julian Blackman. And as Derek mentioned, we're going to be running a lot of three safety looks. Obviously, we've had injuries uh, throughout the season in the past. So, I mean, one guy goes down and Nick Cross could be looking at a really significant role this season. But I think the plan is really for him to be the starting safety in 2023. And I love it. Um, I really, really um, started liking this guy when I watched the highlights and I had already gone to bed at that point in round three, but to wake up to the news that we had moved up um, and moved up with a lot of resources, like you said, giving up a future pick, moving up 50, 60 spots, like a really significant jump to get this guy. It shows that Ballard and Dodds and the, and Morocco Brown and those guys had conviction um, on him. And it means that they want to use him and they're extremely excited. So the fact that 
uh, Ballard and the Colts moved up so far and spent so many resources to get him. I think speaks volumes. So I'm ex- I'm incredibly excited to have him, and we'll see what he does in his rookie year. Yeah, just a couple of guys the Colts have traded up for. They traded up for Grover Stewart in 2017. Most recently, they did trade up for Kari Willis, but most recently they did trade up. The last guy they traded up for, Jonathan Taylor. So not saying he's going to have that impact right away. but The only I think difference exactly is, is right. he traded up four picks for Jonathan right. yeah. Taylor. He traded up almost 80 picks to go yeah. and get Nick Cross. Yeah. So if it tells exactly. you anything, and then you watch the with the next pick series. And, you know, the way Ballard and Nick Cross's chemistry already, just talking on the phone, the way they yep. talk with each other, you know those guys spent some time talking to each other over the span of this last month. You know that the that the Colts scouting department and and the GM Chris Ballard love Nick Cross the way they talk about him. Yeah, Ballard was saying, you know it, you knew I was gonna come get you, you knew I wasn't gonna let you sit there. Like, yeah, yeah. you could feel the rapport. Whereas the other players, it was like, Hey, we had a great workout, congratulations, here's Coach Reich. Like that Nick Cross phone call was different for sure. Yes, it was. Yeah. He he was he was very intrigued by that and you know, again, to trade your third rounder next year and give up a fifth, move up 80 spots to go and get a guy really shows the commitment to wanting to get that guy on your team. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Kari Willis in a contract year. I mean, I kind of like that. I like being able to push him. I, I've always been a Kari Willis guy. I always like Kari Willis, but I'll admit he wasn't great last year, especially in coverage. I mean, we saw early on in that Seahawks game, he was getting torched the entire game. Yep. And so I like the fact, like, you know, I, I would – be saddened, obviously, if Corey left, but if you can get a guy that's better in coverage, go for it, man. You know, a guy that can do a little bit of everything. He can hit. You know, Corey's obviously really good in run support, but if you get a guy that can do that and also, oh, by the way, can make some plays in coverage, I'm all for it. I personally would not be opposed to that as all at all. And also just a physical freak. I mean, uh, compared to Corey Willis, this guy is so much more athletic, so much more, you know, the typical – Ballard mold type of safety. So um, I would be perfectly fine. You know, Kari's a, a fine starter, but if you can get a guy that has superstar written all over him, I'm all for he it. He runs a 4-3 and has a 37-inch vertical that's at not, six foot one. Fair. I mean, that is just insane, man. Yeah. That's not fair. And, and you, it's you think, not fair. It's not. A hundred percent. And you think about the guys in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is loaded. Like, I mean, we're going to need to cover guys like Sky Moore on the Chiefs, Isaiah McKenzie on the Bills, Jalen Waddell on the Dolphins. You know, throughout the next few seasons as we're competing and hopefully in the playoffs, like the ability to cover these guys like Tyler Lockett, who, as you mentioned, burned us in Seattle. Like the ability to have safeties that can step up and guard those guys and also cover guys like Darren Waller, um, uh, Travis Kels, uh, tight ends that are very physical, that are very talented, Mike Gusecki. Um, is really valuable. So I think, um, yeah, his athletic intangibles, the ability to cover, and the ability to fly all over the field really jump off the tape. Yeah, it's like you can never have enough good DBs in this league, man. Never yeah. With how good these wide receivers are, how good these tight ends and are. Injuries, and, too. Injuries of yeah, all things. I mean, the Colts, the Colts have seen it over the last two seasons. I mean, that's why Ballard went out of his way this offseason to get all these safety prospects that can also play corner from time to time because – you know, we had we ran through the entire book of guys last season. So Ballard's like, I'm not going through another season where I have to rely on Sendejo to be my starting safety. Never again. I mean, I'm impressed that McLeod and Cross are going to be our backup safeties. I mean, that's really nice. That's a nice problem to have. It's a great <laughs> problem to have. And also, when we signed guys like Brandon Faison and Armani Watts, mm-hmm. uh, 
no, the Colts were getting ripped on Bleacher Report and on YouTube and on Reddit. And I was like, did no one just watch this last season? Did you guys like tune out like weeks 12 through 16? Because they like, were like, they should have went and got Matthew and should have right, went and got right. Casey Hayward. Well, instead, we got, some, like we got some good depth corners while also getting some really solid safeties. So Absolutely. It, it's key, yeah, because it's a long season. It's a trudge. I mean, last year our bye week wasn't until week fourteen. I hope the NFL doesn't do that to, to us again. But I would. I, mean, I am so happy we went with McLeod and Cross over yep. Tyron Matthew. We're paying and, both of those. And we're paying those two three million dollars less this year than what Matthew's getting from the Saints next year. So exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I always looked at like, okay, you know, I will. I obviously wanted Tyron Matthew because he's a good player, right? But. Mm-hmm. I looked at it. If you would have me, you know, choose, okay, getting Tyron Matthew or Stephon Gilmore, I'm taking the corner every time. Yep. And uh-huh. I, I love the fact that the Colts got, you know, potentially a shutdown corner a couple years ago removed from being the best player in football on defense uh, and also being able to get two really good safeties potentially as your backups. Because let's be honest, both your safeties were hurt last year. Both your starting safeties at one point or another were injured. You know, obviously Julian Blackman, more of a significant injury. Akari Willis was also banged up. So the quality depth that you have now, it, it's just incredible how Ballard, it seems like every year when the Colts have an issue with depth, the next offseason, Ballard makes it a priority to go and fix that and add quality depth. And, and I love the fact that he did that. But all right, guys, we've got a couple more picks to talk about here. So that was the end of day two for the Colts. The Colts had a couple more picks here in day three. The first guy they drafted, Eric Johnson, defensive tackle from Missouri State, looks to potentially fill that kind of Taylor Stallworth role last year, that backup one-tech type of guy that potentially could have some flexibility at the, at the three-tech as well. We'll see exactly what happens there. But nonetheless, the Colts really like this player a lot. But uh, I don't know your guys' thoughts on this, but I kind of view this as just more of a depth guy here you know, initially. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, depth. Uh, Morocco Brown mentioned in that interview you guys did with him uh, that he just like hits gaps and he fills space, and that's like a trait that they were lo- really looking for. Um, played at a smaller school, but obviously, you know, I mean, had some had some great burst off the line, and um, I think is just an excellent depth piece. But I think that's a lot of what we were talking about beyond the offensive fix for this draft was getting depth on the defensive line, and I think they uh, they accomplished that for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. The depth on the defensive line, especially the interior, uh, was a huge thing for them because you didn't get, you didn't bring back Stallworth. You know, you didn't, you haven't brought back Antoine Woods. So really, you you have your two main guys, but you don't have anyone on the interior uh, to be your depth pieces. And you know, Johnson was one of two guys that we drafted. Um, I like, I like his speed. I like his burst. I love his, the way he uses his hands. Reminds me a lot of, um, you know, reminds me a lot of Aaron Donald because he's vicious with his hands uh, and how he attacks people. He needs to learn to be a little more under control with it, though, because sometimes he hits people so hard he takes himself out of the play because he throws so much momentum into it. But, again, that's something you can work on. Uh, I love his playing style. Again, the athletic traits that you get from this guy he was a nine three six. So I mean, this is <laughs> this was a really good uh, player here with some good traits. You know, Ballard really thinks they can mold him, and he plays the scheme the way that they like. Uh, I I personally like Curtis Brooks a little more, and I'll explain why when we get to him. But I, I do like this. This is a guy that I think can definitely fight for a roster spot. 
Yeah. And then obviously the Colts, a double dipped at tight end. They got Drew Ogletree of Youngtown State, another small school guy, but physical freak again here at tight end. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, well, I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, you know, I'm still not going to go away from what I said earlier about him that I just, I, I don't know how faithful I am of him making the roster. Even if he does, I don't see him getting uh playing time, at least not right away. Um, so, you know, immediate impact, not much of there that I could see, but, uh, you know, I could be wrong, you know, Drew Ogletree, you know, we saw how emotionally got from getting drafted, you know, he's definitely determined. So we will just have to see how training camp goes. Yeah, I agree. Um, this pick was the only one that really confused me. Um, I was like tight end again. Um, I feel like a lot of Colts fans were in that boat, but, um, you know, I feel like he's going to be on the practice squad this year. Um, he definitely has some size, which is sort of a theme for this draft, especially on offense. Um, and, you know, uh, like Derek said, it's just going to have to be a wait-and-see thing. Um, maybe down the road he develops and they see him as like a project tool. It's kind of like at the end of a fantasy football draft when you pick a guy that just, um, you know, is a complete unknown but has this, like, chance, right, of developing it kind of felt like that's what the Colts were doing in this instance. Um, a guy that you sit and you stash a little bit and you see what you can get out of him over the next couple of years. All right, guys, let's continue here. Um, looking at the next pick, you guys kind of mentioned him already, but we'll go to Curtis Brooks out of Cincinnati, Alec Pierce's teammate. Uh, I think a lot of people, I know you talked about it earlier, Julian, this was their favorite pick here of day number three. You want to explain why you love Curtis Brooks so much? Yeah, um, I actually, uh, of of our day three picks, he's the only one I knew before the draft. Um, I saw him being projected in the fourth or fifth round. I saw one mock. I remember him going to, I think it may have been the Browns um, in round four, maybe another AFC North team. But uh, I was already high on this guy, and Alec Pierce and Desmond Ritter have talked about how key of a player this guy was. They both spoke you know, in spades about his work ethic, about what he meant to the defense. Remember, this was a Bearcats team that went to the playoffs. I mean, and this guy was a key piece of it. To get him in the sixth round feels like an absolute steal. This guy is versatile. He has all the RAS score traits that we've been talking about. And like I said, definitely one of the picks that I think can make a really immediate impact. Uh, I think he's going to be brought in in certain situations. And I think he's going to be our third interior defensive lineman behind Grove and obviously Buckner. Dang it, you took the words right out of my mouth there. Yeah, that that's honestly where I'm thinking too. I mean, again, he is a he's smaller than a guy like Eric Johnson, but you know, Curtis Brooks, again, the way he plays is shooting the gaps, being that strong guy in the middle, and you know, never giving up on a play. I mean, there's there's a lot of times when this guy's making tackles like outside of the pocket and out on the sidelines, you know, tackling receivers, tackling running backs, tackling quarterbacks out on the sidelines. And this guy's a defensive tackle of all people. So, you know, this guy, this guy plays hard. Uh, we saw in the seer in the episode that they talked about, you know, him talking with uh, coach fickle, you know, and fickle is a, is a defensive minded coach. And if he, if he sticks his neck out for a defensive player, you best believe that he has a lot of confidence in that guy. You're right. I, I asked why why Curtis Brooks got fell so far. And Morocco Brown was just like, well, you know, that extra year with COVID, you know, a couple guys jumped up and a bunch of guys just fell. And 
you know, for whatever reason, Curtis Brooks just ended up falling and like Ballard's like, this is my pick. I'm not even second guessing it. And I mean, I wouldn't have second guessed it. I mean, this guy had the, was one of the most productive defensive tackles in all of the draft. And he fell to the sixth round. It's just hard to believe that a defensive tackle who had, if I pull this thing up, had the best ru- pass rush win rate, had the best run defense stop rate, had the best pass rush grade, had the best pass set grade, and had the best true pass set win percentage. Yet somehow that guy falls to the sixth round. I mean, yeah, it would not shock me if not only he makes the roster, but could be the number one guy off the bench at defensive tackle because that's how good this guy could become. Uh, it'll be it'll be awesome to see him and Eric Johnson go back and forth uh, at defensive tackle this training camp. I can't wait to watch these rookies uh, work and see what they can come up with. <laughs> Derek got me all hyped now, bro. I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready for training camp, man. I know, right? Can, yeah. can it just be uh, August already? Seriously, though, <laughs> way too far away. Oh, I know this is the dead period, man. I hate it. I hate this time of year right now. Yep. But after the draft, it's like, what do we talk about? But anyway, guys, one more pick for the Colts here. Seventh round pick. A lot of people thought they should have picked a corner earlier. Well, they picked a corner here at pick 239. It's better late than never here. You know, it's funny. It's like it kind of gave me the, the vibes of like, you know, when the, everybody's like the Colts need to take an offensive lineman last year in the draft. And they waited. They did, but they waited all the way to the seventh round. It took Will Fries. So uh, the yeah. Colts select a safety here out of Yale, Rodney Thomas, safety slash corner. It feels like every other website I look at, it has it listed, listed at a corner or a safety. So I think he's a little bit of a hybrid for both. But uh, Immediate impact here, guys. What do you think, uh, Julian? Uh, yeah, defensive back, Rodney Thomas, because I'm equally as confused. Um, yeah. He, well, I mean, but that actually speaks to something that Ballard likes. Ballard has always, since day one when he became the GM, has always emphasized defensive backs that can play both positions. Marvell Tell was that way. We've had a couple other guys who have come on. It seems like yeah, um, TJ Carey. Yeah, TJ Carey, right, another one. So it seems to be something that Ballard, Dodds, the defensive you know, the defensive staff, I think they really value that. And they found one in the draft that they were high on and had a good RAS score again at pick 239. And, um, you know, there's not a lot on him uh, out there, but he had a great workout. It seemed like they, you know, from what Morocco Brown said and what Ballard said, that it was this workout that they did in pro the day. Northeast. Yeah, the pro day that really blew people away and put this guy on their board. So, I mean, at worst, you're looking at a practice squad guy who can be called up in case of injury. And at best, you're looking at a really solid rotational piece in a Gus Bradley defense that, as we've mentioned, free safeties, extra DBs, nickel, all this guy that can be rotated in and used and uh, be a contributor for the Colts. So I think it's a good pick. Well, Cody, I can definitely confirm to you that uh, if Tariq Woolen or Zion McCollum would have been there in that fifth round, uh, then we would have gotten them because... If you just looked back at the the episode, they talked about how um oh and there he is. Sorry, sorry, he's still here. Um, <laughs> but we know he talked about the positions that they wanted to address, and right. corner was the fifth one. And you notice that with the way they put it together, they selected every single position in order based on how Ballard said he wanted it to be done. Right, Guaranteed, they would have yep. went corner had there been one that they actually felt comfortable with taking. At that spot, 
uh, Tariq Wollin or Zion McCollum would have been one of them, but they both got taken. Tampa took them, uh, McCollum, like five picks ahead. So we couldn't quite get there, but nevertheless, uh, you know, you get a guy like Rodney Thomas. I mean, yeah, Mike said that uh, in the episode that, yeah, there was a lot of buzz off Rodney Thomas uh, after his pro day. You know, a lot of people were surprised at how athletic this guy was. And, I mean, it goes to show you just, you know, again, what athletics can do for a guy this late in the draft. I mean, and the Colts just continued to go with that philosophy. Uh, I agree with you, Julian, about the fact that, you know, this guy may end up being a practice squad guy to start out. But, you know, if you run out of corners at some point in this season, you know, don't be surprised if, you know, Rodney Thomas with his athletic ability could be that guy that, you know, gets mixed in here or there with a corner or safety. We don't really know at this point. Uh, they did say that he he's a safety that showed corner movement. So it would not it would not surprise me if he does play as uh, a corner. They may try to extend that because you know they're pretty full at safety right now. They don't really need a ninth safety, but uh, they could probably move this guy to corner at some point. I think, I think that's nuts that you said they don't need a ninth safety. Yeah, <laughs> in, my, in my head, I was like, wait, we might actually have eight. Yeah, they actually legit have right. eight safeties on the roster right now. Eight. Like, we, we have. I mean, we're keeping at least four or five probably at this yeah. point. Yeah. Sheesh. I mean, you may that's only nuts, keep bro. you may only keep four because honestly, yeah. like with the ones that you did get. I mean, you could put a guy like Rodney Thomas on the practice squad and then you know he could play safety. Uh, mm-hmm. And then so there's your fifth. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> but you got Julian Blackman, Kari Willis, Rodney McLeod, Nick Cross. You know, you you feel comfortable with those four. I don't really think they go that much deeper into it. But, you know, as bad as as bad as our depth was tested last year, who knows if they try to keep a few of those guys around. Yeah, well, then you got guys like Marvell Tell as well. So who knows what he's going to do? You know, like he was pretty good a couple years ago. You know, when he was on this team. So who knows? And then also, you know, the fact that they didn't address corner and they wanted corner. All right, there's guys like James Bradbury now on the market. Are they potentially interested in adding more depth? Like it's crazy to say that because like you feel really good about their corners, but you feel really good about this defense too. You put a lot of effort into this defense, even though some people may not quite acknowledge it, not only getting guys that are going to start, but how many quality depth pieces this team has gotten over this off season. I mean, it's incredible that the work that Ballard put in on this defense, he knew that the, he he mentioned it several times and people wanted to always make it about the Carson Wentz thing, but the right. defense has to get better. The defense was a lot of the reason why we lost a lot of these close games and lost a lot of these fourth quarter leads that we had. You know, this defense needs to get better. And, you know, with depth getting tested at the end of the year, they needed these guys to be able to go. So, you know, he overloaded on this defense this year, especially in the secondary, and I'm loving it. I love that there are five or six guys at every position on this defense that can go for this team. And I feel confident that this team can move forward with them. I mean, yeah, it was a really busy offseason for the defense. Now that you look at it in hindsight, it's it just like a lot of Colts fans were getting so antsy because it was like, oh, man, we haven't signed Tyron Matthew. We didn't get Jason Jackson. We didn't go for this guy. But it's like you got you talk about Yannick and Gakway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's March. Like what else is there to talk about? I get it. Uh, but, you know, you talk about Yannick Ngakwe, Gilmore, Rodney McLeod, and then adding Nick Cross. And 
um, and Curtis Brooks and Eric Johnson, like the, and, and Armani Watts and Brandon Faison, like the bodies and the talent and the depth that was brought in is like, I think it's probably the biggest defensive offseason we've had since Ballard became a GM. It, yeah, I mean, they really, really, I felt like this offseason, they put it in their minds to, hey, we're going to take this offseason in free agency, in trades, and we're going to beef up this defense so we can focus on that offense. And that's exactly what they did this season. So very exciting, guys. Uh, if you had to kind of say your top three guys that you think are going to have a, the biggest impact this year, who would your top three be? We'll start with Derek here. Top three impactful ones. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, Alec Pierce is going to be number one for me. Uh, number two is going to be... I want to be very careful about how I do this. Uh, number two is going to be... Uh, Nick Cross is going to be number two for me. And Ooh. then I'm going to... Can I go 3A, 3B here? Because I'm honestly really struggling. <laughs> go for it. Yep, you're good. 3A is going to be Woods and 3B is Brooks. I, I think okay. it's that close with Brooks. I really do believe Brooks is going to have a season where... He might actually come out with more sacks than Grover Stewart by the end of the year. I'm, I really think that's probably going to happen, and that's the expectation I put on him. Gotcha. What are you thinking, Julian? Top three. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm having similar struggles to Derek. Uh, I, I'm going to see if I can do three. I'm going to go Alec Pierce one. That's the easy one. Um, I'm going to go Curtis Brooks, too. I know I mentioned those two guys, so I'm going to I'm gonna keep them in this top two here. Um, and then number three is going to be... See, I think Jelani Woods and um, Nick Cross are, are a little bit more developmental. I think they're going to have moments this year, but I'm going to go Bernard Ryman as number three. I think eventually he's going to be in the starting lineup, whether it's moving prior over to the right side because of an injury or him just outright winning the job. I think Bernard Ryman's going to be a, a key contributor. So I'll go Pierce, then Brooks, then Ryman. Gotcha. All right, I'm going Pierce first. I think I'll go Wood second, and then I'll probably go Ryman. I honestly think that he's going to he's gonna win the job eventually. I really do. Um, I mean, my, my goodness, this guy was one of, if not the best, tackles in football last year. So like the fact that he fell because of a few questions, right, but he still is a very talented player, and I do think he's more of a, obviously more of a natural fit at left tackle than a Matt Pryor is. And so it's not the end of the world if Matt Pryor is your sixth offensive lineman. I do not have an issue with that one bit. But will he win it? I don't know. We'll see. Training camp will, and preseason will be very telling, but I think if he does, he's going to have a major impact, and I think he really will win it. So, all right, well, guys, well, I think that will do it for our look at the impact from this 2022 NFL draft, the guys who we think are going to make an immediate impact, some guys that maybe are more down the line in the future. But uh, Julian, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, it was great to be back on and uh, looking forward to chatting some more down the line in the summer. So absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. It's going to be a boring summer, man. So we'll have to have you back on a couple more times and uh, fill the void of this off season. So it's always a long couple months here in the summer, you know, so. But, guys, that'll do it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let us know your thoughts on the guys you think are going to have the most impact right out of the gate for the Indianapolis Colts. That'll do it for this one, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support. And as always, guys, go Colts.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.